0: Hi, I'm Jennifer Gonzalez from the Cult of Pedagogy podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. In the last 20 years, I've decided one of the most important qualities in life is teachableness, and I respect anyone who is teachable now. My mother's 101. A couple of weeks ago, we met. She said, This is what I've learned this week constant growth. It's exciting.
1: Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Well, hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome to episode 47 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. This is, as always, one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support for teachers dealing with burnout. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and I'm so glad you're here today because you're in for a treat. And speaking of treat, can you seriously believe that it's almost Halloween? My daughters are so excited. It's Avery's favorite holiday. And get this, she's going to be a hydro flask. She has already dressed up once in this costume with some of her best friends for a a school party that they had how is this a thing? I Kids crack me up with the things that they do these days. I mean, I feel like I feel pretty old saying that, but they just do the silliest, weirdest things. And I love it so, so much. You know, one thing that I think I love so much about Halloween is how it's just for us and our family. It's just fun. Um, we used to go to an annual Halloween party for, gosh, our our good friends put it on for over 10 years And we just had such a good time with it. It's such a great... Day to just pretend you're a kid, go out and get a bunch of candy, walk around your neighborhood, connect with your neighbors. It just, for me, it's, you know, it's like this scary holiday, but for me, it's really a holiday about connection and fun. And so I would love for you to share your Halloween costumes. Tag me in them. I'm not sure if I'm going to dress up this year or not, but I do know that our family really looks forward to trick-or-treating in our neighborhood and seeing all of the shit. Chen- shenanigans that go around in our community. So let me know, uh, tag me at burned in teacher or jump into the burned in teacher Facebook group. That's at facebook.com slash groups slash burned in teacher. It's growing daily. And we want you in there not just to focus on your struggles and the negative things that are happening, but also sharing your wins and the fun that you are having in this one life that we have. Okay, so speaking of negative, speaking of this one life that we have, I am so excited to introduce you to today's guest. You know that it's October and it's all about understanding your teacher brand And one way that we brand ourselves the most is by the words that we use, both verbally and the words that we use in our heads. So I'm so excited to introduce you to Elizabeth McDonald. She's an author and communication skills advisor. Her company is The Verbal Edge, which is located here in Fort Wayne, Indiana, where I am located, and also in the Tampa Bay area. Elizabeth is passionate about equipping professionals to be effective communicators. She does this through individual consultations and customized workshops and also through her book, Sharpen Your Verbal Edge, 101 Tips to Enhance Professional Communication Skills. I've read it. It's excellent. And I will actually talk about three of those tips that she gives specifically in our interview today. She used to be an English teacher here in Fort Wayne, so she can make that connection with us. And you'll hear her talk about her experience with her students in this interview. She was also a communication and marketing agent for the Fort Wayne Community Schools. And she was a TV reporter and anchor here in Fort Wayne and in Norfolk, Virginia Beach. So she knows what she's talking about She's going to focus on three tips from her book, and one of them is about how people judge us by our words, the words that we say and the way that we say them. She's also going to talk about the difference between confidence exuding words and confidence robbing words. That is my favorite because it is something we totally have control over. And lastly, she's going to talk about the need to get rid of verbal clutter, basically say what you mean, right? So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Elizabeth McDonald. So Elizabeth, welcome to the Burned In Teacher podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you, Amber. It's
0: a pleasure to be here.
1: I'm so excited you're here, not just to share your message about the verbal edge and how we can use our words differently and better,
0: but you actually have a history as a teacher. Yes. And when you said that, I thought this is all because of my teaching. I taught at Southside High School in uh, downtown Fort Wayne for four years. And this was after I was in broadcasting for 13 years and other areas and also administration for Fort Wayne community schools for six years. So I I sort of did the opposite. I became a teacher afterwards. And when I was in broadcasting, I did many stories on teachers and education. I kept thinking, you know, I'd love to have my own classroom. My undergraduate degree is in education and my graduate uh, degree work was in broadcasting. So I'm in the classroom in the inner city Loving what I'm teaching from a broadcasting standpoint, you English teachers out here will appreciate this. Many times we are asked to, well, I had to always have my students do a research paper every year. Leading up to that, I would say, okay, I'd like a succinct paragraph on this or something like that. Not a lot of verbiage, but succinctness. And every day I taught them a concept word like insidious or non sequitur or sophomoric or something like that. Plus, we would correct a sentence every day. And I took it from previous research papers, but I changed the topic so they would not know whose research paper I was using. And they would love it because it wasn't a grammar book that said, no, this was right and this was wrong. And we figured out how to make the most succinct, wonderful words. And then as a vocabulary group, I thought, I looked at the group. I had, and this, you will resonate with the, uh, this, a lot of you teachers, I had, seven or eight days between my hiring and the, my first day of teaching. And it was my first day of teaching. So I looked through the vocabulary book and thought, okay, here's a grouping of 20 words here, 20 words here. What do these people care about, these 20 words? The first week I used it. The second week I started with my own vocabulary. And I gave them six prefixes and six roots a week. And I said, go for it. And my favorite is EX, which means out. And, I, and then I was say, eject. Look, that means throw. Eject. Uh, throw out, inject, reject, interject, interject, all these jacks, and I would be so excited and real excited, and then I would put them in tables, and the first two tables, I can't believe that I did this, the first semester, I didn't reward with fun size Snickers bars, but mm-hmm. my students didn't care that much about grades, so I I, I sold in, sold, and I every week bought a bag of fun size Snickers bars, and so Several tables, and there's always, as you know, a table of girls that are so smart, and they win all the things, and I know that going into it. So I thought the first two tables to get the most words and to educate it will get the Snickers bars, and they love that every week. Our vocabulary grew so well, and they they could identify words just from that, and they loved it. We also all, every day, created a sentence, and it was with the word of the day. So I wrote my sentence, and I also showed them the uh, etymology of the words because we learned that too. And they had papers that were the templates, and they wrote down that. And then I said, okay, let me hear your sentences so I could auditorily grade people. And I said, okay, you get an extra point for any word of the day, including today's. And then within four weeks, you, a person would walk in and wouldn't even know what these people were saying. And, um, and then I'd say, okay, a third grader just walked in, Tell them what you just said. And anyway, it takes several sentences to describe that. And then about the fifth week, I got a huge Dick, Jane, and Sally book, and I started reading it. And I said, Look, father, see Spot. Jump, Spot, jump. And and I and I read it as though it was the most important thing in the world. And I even wiped away invisible tears. And they said, Oh, Mrs. McDonald, this is so boring. And I said, Why? And they, And they figured out it's because they had grown in their words and their concepts. It was so much fun. And um, I love
1: this story. I love this story for two reasons. Number one, I can hear and feel the passion that you have about words. Yes. And, And you telling these stories of how you worked with vocabulary and grammar with your students. Number two, I love it because you took your passion for words and the way they're used. And you put a different spin on it and took your career in a different direction. And I want to talk about that with yes. the verbal edge and yes. the advice and strategies and tips that you have for teachers today and the words that they use. But I first of all would love to touch on why you left. Of course, this is the Burned In Teacher podcast yes. that addresses the issue of teacher burnout. So yes, you experience with
0: Teacher burnout at all in your career? Uh, according to my husband, indeed I did. I think I was just so busy preparing for the next thing, but it, it was hard. And uh, m- some of the students were not grateful, although toward the end they were. They saw how much I did, but there was always a section in the middle of the year when they just didn't appreciate me. And then toward the end when it was research paper and I stayed after and worked with them and worked with them and they got, and they did wonderful research papers because I had him re I it three different times. And re, and, and then at one time at church about two years later, some boy that I had four times because he didn't do the research paper three times, about two years after he graduated, I saw him at church. He said, Mrs. McDonald, and he came and hugged. And he's, he said, um, a couple of things, he said, I've given my life to the Lord, and he said, and I'm writing a research paper, like, once a week, and I said, are you kidding, and he's going to be a radiologist, and he said, and they're not doing citations correctly, they're not doing it the way I, I ta- you taught us, and I thought, oh my gosh, I've I overcorrected the lad, and anyway, the excitement, uh, and and I will, I woke up for years thinking oh I want to teach this today no I can't teach. However, this particular boy also wrote me a note. F you, Mrs. McDonald. Oh and, no. you know, That was I don't know the first or second or third time he was in my class, and it was just. And then his mother called and said oh no you again you know uh, this is this can't happen, and so but I just kept loving them, and every time one went to in uh, the office on a referral I said who would like to accompany this gentleman to the office I learned that the very first day if you let them go by themselves they're out the door Mm -hmm. and I always treated them with respect and and it, it had it has paid off but it was as many of the teachers who are listening to this right now know um it's a whole lot more than teaching Mm. There's just a lot more. There's being a, it, name it, you know, police officer or whatever, consular babysitter. I had a, I had a, I called a parent once and I said, this is what your, your son is doing. Can you please talk? She said, I can't handle him at all. I said, look, I have 34 other students mm-hmm. and this is what I'm experiencing. I advise that you do this and this. So, and you know, we can go on, we can go on for hours And my life, duplicates a lot of these lives. The thing was, I realized that if these inner city kids who could have cared less about words, grammar or anything, at the end of the year were excited about it, what if teachers, what if business people, what if I could have do that same with teachers or business people? And that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. It's been wonderfully uh, rewarding. And and I know that you want to, in in my book, I have a list of words that are... uh, uh, that people can use and, and as teachers out there if when you listen to your students say things like this like I'll try to do that Mrs. Smith uh, and you can say let's eliminate the word try and because when we hear try and when we say try we might as well just say I'm not going to do it mm-hmm. and or I can't do this. Yes I can or the 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 uh, self-talk it's been proven that the average person thinks negatively of the time or as I like to say in a positive way thinks positively 23% of the time and here's the interesting thing too 98% of the negative things that we say that we think of we have thought of the same things the day before so
1: yes you're right so you have the people that say the same things over and over again you
0: know you can expect you can predict what they're going to say And we don't even know what they're thinking because that's only what they're saying. The thoughts just run rampant and it's the same negative things all the time. So certain words that that I work with my adults not to say are things like, kind of, and sort of, that robs. Those are, I kind of want you to listen. I sort of think you're going to like this or maybe or might, or you're only a third grader or I'm only a teacher get rid of the words only and and I I guess we should do this or I think that's right or you know I'm working with two different people to get rid of the words you know ah, uh, and and that's a habit that just becomes natural to a lot of people and all right pretend I'm a teacher well good morning I'm I'm I can't even do this I'm I'm, you know, very happy to have you today because you know this is our first day of school, and you know this and this. And every time we say, you know, we're asking, do you know that or not? We're asking for affirmation. What we're really doing is showing that we're not, we're not confident. Mm-hmm. And although for some people this is such a habit that that maybe they are confident, but it's still coming across because they've lo- they've learned incorrectly to insert that all the time. That's one word and a lot of ums and I means. Those kind of things, and we can help as teachers. We or as, for me as a former teacher, we can help our students to say, "How about say that saying that again?" Mm-hmm. And and I know the teachers out there are being barraged by the word like. And what might be a fun discipline is saying, "Okay, today instead, when we answer, instead of saying like, how about if we say goat?" And 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 well, that doesn't make any sense. Well, it makes as much sense as the word like if it's not used as the word similar. So, and it really throws their attention. And and another thing is I, I I use a finger sign if people are saying um or like and they'd like to get rid of it and I just kind of bend my finger a little bit. I don't interrupt. I just have them keep looking at me and then if a person listens and hears this, that person will know then that he or she is saying that a lot. Mm-hmm. Those are some things that I teach that show confidence. And And then we talked about being negative instead of positive.
1: That's a really perfect transition into us talking about a few of the rules in your book, Sharpen Your Verbal Edge, because I actually purchased this book from you and I was so excited and really ignited by your, by your talk. So I picked out a couple of rules that I'd like you to elaborate on for our teacher's who are working on building a better and stronger teacher brand. And so what you just alluded to really makes me think of rule number 30. People judge us by our words. So mm-hmm. Elizabeth,
0: would you please elaborate on that rule a little bit? When people hear our vocabulary or they hear the words we use in between our vocabulary like um and ah uh, and like etc. They're judging us. They're judging us. Uh, And 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 when I'm talking vocabulary, I'm not saying four-syllable Latin-based or Latin words. I'm saying the right word for the right instance. I go to a meeting monthly with a man who has an amazing vocabulary. However, he uses three- and four- and five-letter words, and he uses them the way no one else uses them, and I love listening to him. And so if we can wait, be intentional about how we talk, And then choose the words, however, leave out the the likes and the you knows and the I means and all those other words in between, then people will listen. And as I, I believe with the information and the job and the business that I have, my purpose in life is to help other people realize that their message, if they want to convey it at the most optimal level, needs to be without distraction which is without all those filler words and also clear as possible. Many times I'll say something like, all right, on, on a PowerPoint, I'll say uh, something about mitigating the uh, something, something, something. I say, how would you say this easier? And, and, and the easy way is uh, easy, simple words allow us to understand things better. -hmm. And being in the broadcasting industry, I learned that we we spoke in fifth grade language all the time. You know, I've heard that before. That
1: the easiest way to communicate to anybody, even adult to adult, especially in written and in instructional language, is to is to lay out instructions as simple as you would lay them out for a fifth grader or lower. And that's not to dumb down, and it's not because the people that you are speaking to are smaller than you you know figuratively but it's because people don't hear the the beat in your head they don't hear what you're thinking and they don't understand what you mean when you use the language that you're
0: used to do you have you heard that before oh yeah i i have and i agree and what's fascinating to me and i taught sophomores in high school so i know the level of a sophomore vocabulary i expanded their vocabulary which is one thing I love thinking about. However, I know when I'm listening to people at presentations, and I'm thinking, all right, I know sophomores would not understand this, and a lot of other people. What I wonder why they uh, they needed to have used this word or that word in broadcasting. We are taught that if we use one word that a person does not understand, and it, then they stop because they have to figure it out. We've lost them for the next three or four or five sentences. Mm-hmm. So, as a teacher, when I would use words, I would also then. Describe what that meant, and not counting the vocabulary words that we used again and again. Uh, very important, and of course, our vocabulary is going to change depending on who we talk to and the words and the and the uh, the possible jargon we use if it's appropriate. Mm-hmm. I have uh, I have people that actually say I would use better grammar. However, I don't want people to think that I'm arrogant and I'm thinking, always use better grammar. It's mm-hmm. not going to stick out. What you're doing is you're doing a favor to those people, to setting up examples of how we need to speak. And ironically, I'm speaking to teachers who I assume and really want to assume that everyone is using better grammar. I do want to share that when I was teaching, all of us English teachers would eat at the, together at the same time. And I kept hearing this one woman, I'd say, what did you do this weekend? Well, I laid out in the sun lie lay lane is the way we conjugate that particular word i lay out in the sun i have lain out in the sun i lie out in the sun and i know this is oh you're thinking oh she's one of those teachers but for english teachers that's fundamental and so many people i'm hearing now who are masterful presenters will say well i went and i I laid in bed for three hours and I'm thinking, okay, guess what? You have just dropped your credibility with a whole lot of people in this room. And here's the thing, and this is why I am doing what I'm doing. A lot of people have no idea that they're typing something incorrectly or saying something incorrectly. And if they knew, they could bring in, they could teach others, but they also will keep the other people uh, who believe and want to hear good. English, standard English. And on the same token, but
1: a little bit different, when we talk about people judging us by our words, not only grammatically, but in its positivity or negativity. And I don't know if I'm saying those words correctly, but you also have some points here about using words that communicate positive values. And that one really spoke to me because when I work with teachers and shout out to teachers who are part of the Burnden Teacher Training Program, we talk Mm -hmm. about creating and remembering and coming back to our core values. Yes. So that one really spoke to me. And in addition, and kind of in the same token, is using optimistic words. Talk to us a little bit about communicating positivity and optimism with our words.
0: Words that are automatically optimistic is I can, I will. And uh, and words such as that, as opposed to i can't or i'll try when we say i try it it is the same thing as saying i'm not going to do it uh, and it's amazing how enervating and that means loss of energy of uh, the word i'll try or probably those kind of words yet words that are strong are uh, absolutely you've got this uh, Anything that can mean I, I will, I need to, mm-hmm. those words are are strong words. And at, and talking to teachers, so I would say, say that about yourself and also say that to your students and teach them to say those words. So uh, Here are some other ones: I can, I know, I know this, I've got this, I'm confident, I'm reliable, I'm convinced. Words to uh, to eliminate or stay away from are words such as and these are con- confidence robbing words. Um, and I know um is okay. All right, if I were to say though um my name is Elizabeth McDonald um my company is a verbal edge. It sounds like what? What does it sound like? Uh, Amber. It sounds like you're unsure. That's right. I'm unsure. I'm timid. I need help, etc. And and it's a habit. And all it is is get rid of that the um beforehand. Other words are kind of, oh my gosh, I kind of want to show you this, students. I sort of think you'll like it. Just, I want to show you this. You will like it. The word only. Uh, you're only in fifth grade. You are in fifth grade.
1: Mm. You know what? You- I have to I have to elaborate on that because Yes, go. I work with teachers all the time. And actually, it happened yesterday when I was working um, at a school. Oh, there I go with um again. She said, I'm just last year I was just a para. I said, Hold on. <laughs> I mm-hmm. said, I do not know what I would do without a para. And some teachers call them an assistant, a teaching assistant. Yes. God bless I said assistants. you are so important to your teachers that you worked with. I said, do not negate your your worth because you were not just a para. You were a really important part of this school. And now look, because you were an amazing para, you're now working in the preschool as the preschool teacher. You proved mm-hmm. yourself as someone who wanted to do the work and do a good job and serve kids. So you are not just anything.
0: And that's a good example because the longer a person says, I'm just a para, I'm just an assistant, that person is going to believe it. How? And here's the sad part other people are start, will start believing it too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I remember working at a place where a janitor was probably one of the most proud people of the, what he was doing in that whole building. And because of his pride, because I'll be sure to get that, yes, I'll do that. My respect for him was above a lot of the people who worked there because he exuded self-confidence.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, a, a yeah. few more words, um, just, okay, can't, I can't do this. I I can't be there. Yes. Oh my gosh. Just change that word. You know, know. go ahead. Can we also talk about that as well? Because you
1: did say that we should, you know, whenever we're talking about um, using, communicating positive words and being optimistic, that we should should say things like, yes, I'll be there. I can do this. But do you also, also agree that we could flip that and be confident in setting boundaries and saying no? Absolutely. I, I will not be able to help you with
0: that. Yes. And then the difference in between is I don't know. I think I might be able to be there, but I'm not sure. I'll try to be there. That's that's a no, but it's an unconfident no. And it's uh it's this the difference. Yes, we need to say no. And we need to say it respectfully, and and we can explain it or otherwise. What you just said is the perfect way to say it. And and teachers know that they need to say no at times on all aspects. Mm-hmm. That's that's excellent. So awesome. you've actually
1: started transitioning into Rule Thirty Two, which is confidence exuding words, and you've taken away. You've started also kind of uh, shared with us the the opposite, which is the. Um, oh, and confidence helping, robbing. The confidence. Thank yes. you. The
0: confidence robbing words. And, so, a, and a couple of more I want to put in there, just to say, uh, afraid. Now, can you believe people actually say, "I'm afraid." Uh, let's see. I'm afraid you'll have to do the test over. Now, is that teacher really afraid? Mm-hmm. But look how we use that word. It's amazing to, or I guess, instead of just saying it you you'll need to do this or i need for you to do that. Now, teachers if they if you say i need for you to do that you're going to have a lot more participation and agreement instead of you uh, you need to do this or you have to do this. the other thing i want to touch on amber is pessimist versus optimist and this amazes me and we can see this in our students. if we have pessimistic students and they fail a test what are they going to say? i'm dumb. I'm dumb. I screwed I up again. I can't do it. This is the way I do it. Because pessimists take one thing and they apply it to everything. Now, optimists, if they fail, what do you think they say?
1: I'm going to try again. I learned to, from
0: I'm, it. Oh, they will probably not say try. They will say, "I learned from this." And a lot of times, and they won't blame it on them. They will blame it on themselves, but it won't be intrinsic. It'll be situational. I needed to have studied more. I have learned from this. Mm-hmm. The self talk is different now what about, let's flip it. What if the pessimist gets a great grade? What is the self-talk? I worked hard for this. Pessimists. You know what? No. Say? Oh my. It's a fluke. Mm-hmm. They will continue to think because the other thought is pervasive that they that they screw up all the time. So the one time they get this thing, it's a fluke. Now, Let's take the optimist, and the optimist has a successful test. What does the optimist feel think? I worked hard for this. Yes, <laughs> this is what I do. Yes, this is pervasive. It's, do you see? It's the opposite. Mm-hmm. If, if they fail, a, pes, a pessimist thinks, "Well, this is what I always lucky. do." Yes, and in the in the optimist thinks, "Okay, I I didn't study hard enough by this or this or whatever." And this is an isolated incident. It's totally reversed when there's success. The the, uh, the pessimist thinks, well, this is a fluke. And the optimist thinks, yes, it's another success. It's pervasive. I do well in almost everything. And I think it's important for teachers to realize that where we as teachers know that we have good days bad days think of who you are and pessimists can become optimists and it starts with self talk it starts with i can do this i will do this i am this and and also know that the students if you see kids that are constantly defeated then you say then shower them bathe them with you can do this you are this you this this is just one one test let's see what you can do the next time Mm. And it's it's, it's invaluable for teachers to know these things. You know, I think it's so
1: interesting how the growth mindset with Carol Dweck and her book has really taken off in schools with how we help students to talk about themselves while us as teachers, we struggle so much with the negative self-talk. And so I'm so glad that you've alluded to that. So when we talk about affirmations, affirmations that we tell each other, or that we tell ourselves rather, or mantras that we repeat to ourselves don't have to be these huge, elusive, beautiful, long, lengthy memorizations. It can be I am strong. Mm -hmm. I can handle this, or I will ask for help when I need it. Or, you know, I I do tell teachers a lot, especially lately, that you are a human. So maybe just saying, I am a human or I am not a superhero and I need help. You know, sometimes I, I believe saying those things to ourselves, making it very simple, like what you just said, I am this, I can do this, I will do this, really helps teachers to stop wearing everything
0: on their shoulders. Uh, Another thing I want the teachers to know is to be careful when we use not and don't and anything that ends with NT, like wouldn't or weren't or anything negative, because our brain doesn't hear it. And so if you say to your students, and I'm talking to teachers, though, uh, I, I don't want you to fail. They don't know what to do with the don't, so they hear, I want you to fail. Mm-hmm. Or if you say, don't forget to bring your homework tomorrow, they're going to hear forget to bring. So what you, what you want to say is what, Heather, instead of don't forget to bring your paper tomorrow. I'm giving you a quiz. What mm. would you say instead? Bring your paper tomorrow. Bring your tomorrow. Yes, bring your paper or remember to bring your paper. Turn it into positive things. And also pervade your communication to the students and to yourself with embedded positive commands such as you'll appreciate this next assignment because you're going to use it so you're the rest of your life or you'll be excited about this or this is going to be fun and and i know it's words but i'll tell you it works it works on ourselves we do it ourselves and we can say i get to go to the grocery and it's 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 a privilege suddenly it's a privilege i have said that to
1: myself very very often Of I get to do this, even if it's Mm -hmm. something that I do not enjoy, changing changing the words that I surround that task with really does change my mindset. And so I can say, and I actually learned that from you. So thank Thank
0: you. Thank (laughs) you. Yes. Uh, We as teachers get to mold the minds and hearts of our students for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And what a privilege that is. And yes. (sighs) It has uh, uh, a lot of things go into that. And I think many times, especially if teachers have challenging classrooms, the teachers that are the most passionate and determined and devoted are the ones that, have, that struggle. It, it's a bigger, I don't even want to say the word struggle. It's a bigger challenge. I'm staying away from the real negative words, but I want teachers to know that I understand because I was one of those. And, and it pays off people come back afterwards and they, they say, this is what I learned in your class, no other class, and this is a lifetime thing. And I know many teachers listening right now can relate to that right now. I want to encourage you to keep that, but also tell yourself positive things. And if no one's around for you to reinforce who you are, reinforce yourself. Talk to the students about these things. Ask them, what have you learned today? What's the thing you're going to take home this weekend you, and you might depending on the age and, and if the first time oh come on what are you talking about get them interested and used to that question maybe on a Friday or so what have you learned this week that you're going to apply and once they start knowing you're going to ask that question they're going to start thinking I can apply this and it can be home it can be whatever or Monday what did you learn this week that you're excited about and get them in the mindset especially those pessimists of learning and growing and going back to Carolyn Dewitt's book, uh, just growth mindset, growth mindset. I have changed who I am because in the last twenty years, I've decided one of the most important qualities in life is teachableness, and I respect anyone who is teachable. Now, my mother's one hundred and one. A couple of weeks ago, we met. She said, "This is what I've learned this week: constant growth. It's exciting."
1: If after today's episode, you're wanting more, check out this month's Burned In Teacher podcast freebie at burnedinteacher.com slash understand. In it, I break down what it means to understand your teacher brand because Burned In is an eight-step acronym. B stands for begin where you are. U stands for understand your teacher brand. R is reflect on your challenges. N is nurture your strengths. E is extend your reach and possibilities. D is determine your long-term goals. I is initiate lasting change. N is never settle. So go to burnedinteacher.com slash understand to get this month's Burned In Teacher podcast freebie. Chapter two of my ebook, Burned In Teacher Training, eight steps to go from surviving to thriving in education. Enjoy the chapter, take action and burn on. Now you already alluded to this as well. Uh, Rule number 51, verbal clutter, saboteurs of our messages. So is there anything else that you'd like to say about that?
0: Well, yes. Uh, I mean, the fact of the matter is it's probably kind of one of those pretty cool things where you basically really, really need to do this each and every time (laughs) to be real honest with you. And that being said, you just actually should. It's like awesome. Awesome. Do you know what I mean? Uh, that's the bottom line. I'm just saying, um, whatever. I that's have what I'd say, like to say about that. At first, I was a little thrown off because I'm thinking, that's that's not a good
1: example of what
0: we're talking <laughs> Right. <laughs> and well, then I, I got you, your drift. <laughs> then I gave you the not good example. Uh, how many times do we hear that? Actually, within that, embedded in that is, I don't know what's embedded in that. I I made it up. Anyway, just a whole lot of uh, verbal clutter, Filler phrases attached to each other, and if it were I listening to someone talking you know, like that, I would go away in my mind and think, "Okay, I'll come back and here if I see if I can hear anything of substance." Nope, can't. Going back, and uh, so many people just crowd out their message with words like that. And I'm once again, I will reiterate, get rid of those verbal fillers. And I was thinking last night in preparation for your podcast you'll appreciate this. Oh, embedded positive command. Thank you. I know the teachers have to be bombarded with students saying like, they're saying it three times in a sentence now. What can teachers do about that? And I'm not talking just English here, just anything, history, the the whole thing. What if we were to say, all right, now this is what you said or, or, or write down what your friends are saying or record it. And then instead of saying like, choose any word, any word at all, duck, Oh, or uh, close. <laughs> close to another word, uh, uh, dog, all right, instead of like, because really, like means similar to, that's all it means is similar to, so if we say, Amber was like, hey, that's a good idea, and I was like, yes, that's saying, Amber was similar to, that's a good idea, and I was similar to, but some. Somehow, people have decided to say that instead of the word "said," or including like as an "I." Uh, it was like the best time I had. We were like all happy. Well, that was we were. That was similar. I mean, it, it just doesn't work. Do so if we say it was dog the best time I had, and I I was dog happy to be there, then people will get an idea of why. Why is that word in there? Please, please. That's what I think every time I hear this. The word like, why? And and it's a peer thing. We know it's a peer thing because I can walk in front of 13-year-old girls down the street, and it's a competition. How many likes can you put in there? And I think they might have the ability to cancel them out. I don't. Mm -hmm. So I I think that it would be a great gift that teachers could give their students because we need to prepare them for many things. But one is to communicate simply. Well, and I... I think Go ahead. what I hear you
1: saying, and correct me if I'm wrong, is all three of these rules really have to do with say what you mean. Yes. Yes. Whether it's yes or no, or I'm wrong, or I'm right, or you're doing well, or you're not doing well. Whatever it means, just say, or whatever it is, just say what you mean.
0: Yes. and And, and think before you say it, I remember watching some fights break out at school. And I thought, this is because of a lack of vocabulary, because they didn't have the word, so they went for each other. And think, and just, if they could say, I'm uncomfortable with what you just said, mm-hmm. or I, I'm thinking possibly you meant to say something differently. Do you want to say this again? We say things, and I, gosh, I know this, because sometimes I'm thinking, I just want to say, can you just stop? whatever. And then I'm thinking, how can I say this? So at the end they are, they feel respected and that I've honored them and that they want to change. Are you aware? This is my phrase. I love, are you aware? Are you aware that you just uh, spit on the guy next to you and you know, whatever, Or, or, or I don't know. And they can say yes or no, but we're not saying, Hey, you, you just did that. And that starts out with awareness and then the student is not left defending. Wait a minute! I didn't do that. And, and it changes the whole conversation to defending instead of the the absolute reason. I'm I'm looking at a couple of sentences that I wrote down, and these are things that teachers know that parents have said to their kids, or something like, "Why can't you be more like your brother?" Mm. Oh my god, that's a hard one. Or, and, yeah, that's a hard one, and. Um, You'll never amount to anything. Or all these things that are disruptive phrases instead of life-giving phrases. And we as teachers need to give life-giving phrases to ourselves and to our students. Things like, I'm proud of you. I'm amazed at what you did. This class has been amazing today. Or you can even start a class with, this is what I'm going to watch today. I'm going to watch all of you be so excited about what you're going to learn. And, or, or if, if anybody walks in, this is what they're going to notice. Everyone in this class being uh, right on target and focused and loving what they're learning. What? Really? Really? Well, it's just been embedded in their brains. and And it, it's, it's an expectation miraculous. that it's an
1: expectation yes. that they yes. will be successful. And that is your job.
0: And that's an embedded command, and we do it all the time. We embed commands, but we do it a lot negatively, like, well, you know, people are kind of commanding, like, what kind of class is this? You're all out of control, or, or there's negative things that we've embedded in our lives. We can turn it around, and yes, it's a form of manipulation. Yes, indeed, it well, is, but it's manipulation for good. It's manipulation against yourself,
1: and it's sabotaging your own belief in what you can and cannot control within your classroom. Because I've heard, and I have said the same things in the past, these kids are so different than they used to be. These kids are so disrespectful. These parents are so irresponsible. These parents don't care. Well, that may, in fact, be true. However, if those are the words that we are saying then we've automatically placed a label
0: on how we are going to approach them. Is that correct? Oh, yes. And yes, I agree with you. And I know that the parent is that third um, leg of that three-legged chair. And I know I depended on my parents. And most of the time, I couldn't I, – I, I don't want to say couldn't. Most of the time, the parents were not part of this – And yes, everything you said is true. So we need to change the way we think, even if we change. One of the things I like to think a lot of times, well, that's a challenge and I'm up for it. We're not dismissing the difficulty of what we're going through or the situation. It's a challenge. I'm up for it. We have to do it. So if we say it that way, it can be done. Mm, It can be done well. So we've talked about rule number
1: 30 in your book, people judge us by our words, We've talked about rule number 32, confidence, use confidence exuding words, and then rule number 51, which is verbal clutter, saboteurs of our messages.
0: Yes. So, uh, and I want sorry. to, I want to just name a few more verbal clutter words for those. that yes, just can't, can't get enough verbal clutter. <laughs> All right. So it's so many. Um, uh, like, you know, some of these are also the confidence robbing words. They, they do a dual, sort of, kind of, thrown in there just pretty much that's pretty much this or that and and also just using the word pretty by the way teachers pretty brings the thing down and, it, and if they say if, if a person were to say that's pretty cool for one thing people wouldn't understand what cool meant but the other thing is pretty means it's not as cool as it could be and if you're thinking about it think of something like that's pretty truthful that's just knocked down truthful so Actually, basically, generally, literally, English teachers, when we're teaching literally, please tell them what it means. It's not a, it's not a verbal filler. It means uh, literally. That dog's bark is worse than his bite, or literally, this little kid is running uh, circles around me. That's I a big mean, one. Yes, and I mean, I was just going to say, I'm okay. Good, big one too. People, people start sentences with it. I mean, it's yeah. the best day I've ever had. Okay. it's. Li- I mean, it's literally the best day of ever. That's <laughs> right. It's literally, I mean, um, you know, and, uh, and here's another word and that's uh, anything dealing with honestly, frankly, to be candid with you, to be honest okay. with you. Mm-hmm. And people use that as verbal filler or something to fill while they're thinking of the next phrase.
1: Because typically when I've heard people use those words to start, can I be honest? Uh-huh. You know they're going to say something that may be offensive.
0: It's yes or yes, yes. In that case, may I be honest? Or if they say to be honest with you, sometimes they're saying I want to be authentic. Mm -hmm. The problem, and it's so problematic, those phrases, and that is if they're talking and then say to be honest with you and then they say something else, that one sentence is the one sentence they're honest, then they go back to lying. Exactly. That's what we think. You haven't been honest with me, now you're going to be, and it draws attention to possibility of lying all along. I realize, because this is such a prevalent term, that people really are, I believe people are, are attempting to say, I need to be authentic. Those are the ones that aren't using, to be honest with you, as just pure verbal filler, I need time to think. And either way, please eschew, get rid of, That phrase, I cannot think of a time when that is appropriate unless a person has been lying and then just saying, to be honest with you, yes, I have, whatever. That's another phrase that's going to derail Mm -hmm. communication and uh, distract too. So what would
1: you say to a teacher who is struggling with the words that they're using in their teacher brand? Obviously, we have our three rules that we talked about today. But what would you say is number one in your message to them today? Be intentional
0: mm-hmm. about how you speak. Speak with respect toward yourself and the other person. Speak positively and engage the student's I firmly believe in saying, how does that sound? And, or can you, uh, I want to make sure I'm being clear. So can someone in the class tell me what I just said? Mm-hmm. And and if we make a te- uh, habit of saying that as teachers, people are going to listen think, Okay, she's going to ask me next time. But that's a way that I know that I'm being uh, clear. And so many times, Amber, I have realized that they, uh, that they, didn't they weren't clear? I wasn't clear, mm-hmm. and I was so grateful. And I say thank you, thank you so much for saying that. Mm-hmm. It's checking that out. And I was just reading yesterday again that the best thing, and I know we're talking about words, but and here, here's another way: the best way that students realize they are loved and cared for is to be listened to, and I mean listen to as in eye contact, not checking things or just give them that thirty seconds. I'm just listening. And uh, it, when we think back of the teachers that cared for us, what did how did they act toward us? That we were important enough to pay attention to. Yes, mm-hmm. exactly. And that we were exactly. heard. And, uh, and I know that, and I thank you for that question. I think that uh, I want people to know that what they say matters and that words have power. And if we want to change the life we have, we need to change the words we speak. And I'm hoping the teachers will will, will take that away from what we were talking about. So much more to talk about in this short podcast. And I, and I know if they would like to find a lot more, it's in the book, which is Sharpen Your Verbal Edge, 101 Tips to Enhance Professional Communication Skills. I, I six years of writing this. And mm-hmm. in So tell
1: us, Elizabeth, before we sign off for today, where is it that people can find you?
0: My website is TheVerbalEdge.com. My Facebook is The Verbal Edge or Elizabeth in parentheses NOLF. That was my maiden name, MacDonald. Mm-hmm. I'll put all of those connections, all of those
1: links in the show notes. And if you're interested in connecting with Elizabeth, bringing her to your school and having her speak to your teachers about the words that we use and what they really do say about you, I'm sure she would be happy to talk to you about that.
0: Yes. And I would love the teachers to email me personally. And I, I know you'll have that in there, Elizabeth at com, uh, With questions or comments, anything that they think that I might have be able to help or reinforce because i so appreciate teachers when i know someone is a teacher i tear up because i know what they are doing for other lives Mm -hmm. and i know it is a challenge and i i thank you and i and i ask the lord to bless you in everything that you do because um, teachers shape lives they take up where parents left off and in many cases they start where parents haven't bothered to.
1: That's such a great way to end this episode. And it's such an important message to share. Thank you so much for reminding our teachers how important they are.
0: Yes, thank you, Amber.
1: You know, I feel so lucky to not only have had this interview with Elizabeth, but she and I actually are friends and I get to talk to her quite a bit. And she is somebody that I really admire as far as paying attention. Actually, I pay such close attention to what I say around her. (laughs) I almost uh, stress myself out sometimes because I know that she is paying such close attention to what I am saying and how I am saying it. And I'm telling you, if you could look into her eyes when you're talking to her, she truly listens and internalizes she has listening skills that i could only uh strive to have in fact i i really do i'm i'm working on becoming a better listener because when you become a better listener you can then put into action more uh more things that you're learning so As you move into your week, I have some dares for you. I dare you to be conscious of the words that come out of your mouth to others, as well as the words that you say to yourself in your head. Ask yourself, are these words confidence robbing or confidence exuding? We have control over it. And I am telling you, the power that we have over our mind has extreme power over our destiny. Believe it or not, it is absolutely true. If you're saying things like, I'm only a teacher, or saying things to your own child like, you're only 11, when you say things like just or only, you're saying, I'm not worthy or you're not worthy. Hands up if you've talked about yourself in that way before. Yep, because I've done it too. Like I said last week, your words become your beliefs. Those beliefs become your habits. Those habits become your destiny the more you use words that are limiting about yourself, your profession, or your life, the more you will believe it. And the more people hear you using those confidence-robbing words, the more they're going to believe it too. Finally, like Elizabeth said, be intentional, be respectful towards yourself and others, and speak positively. And I know this to be true. You are capable and worthy of using words that exude confidence, my friend, and that's our agent of change, capable carry. I am capable and I am worthy. You are going to move into this week with confidence, with pride. And with the ability to say what you mean without that verbal clutter, I know you can do it. It is going to take practice. You're going to have to stop yourself. I know as I've read this book and as I have talked to more and more teachers, I stop myself a lot to pay attention to the words I'm using and to be intentional with my words. And I know you can do the same thing. Don't miss next week because I'll be sharing with you my interview with Alexis Shepard also known on Instagram as the Afro Educator. And this woman, I am telling you, she exudes confidence. It just pours out of her. But she's also really good at being vulnerable about her challenges. And she was the perfect person to end October, understand your teacher brand month with, because when you hear her speak her truth about teaching and how much our brand affects our success, you will want to become someone that emulates her. She is going to light a fire in you, my friends. So as you move into your week, remember you are capable and you are worthy. I'll see you next week. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I wanna help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on.